Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. With us, God is on our side. He's leading us and guiding us, and he will provide. Father, we thank you tonight that I may speak from that place that may stand in that place, that we may look over into the realm of time concerning men and look back concerning men and discover what you're doing in this day. Discover what you're saying in this hour. Father, may none of us miss what you're doing in this earth because, Lord, we realize how easy it could be as we discovered in the days of Noah Only Noah and his immediate family knew what you were doing and were spared. Lord, we thank you today for utterance in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for revelation of your word. Thank you for illustration of your word. And thank you for impartations of the Holy Ghost that empower and enable us to walk out what we have heard. And Father, I thank you for revelation that you desire to share with us tonight And Father, we give you the glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It is good to see you. If you will, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 26. We're gonna jump off into the word of God and I pray I don't drown myself. I wanna talk to you about times and seasons of God. Times and seasons of God. You must understand the time that you live in and the season that you're in. And I know it's very pertinent that ministers, of course, first of all, understand this, but it's important that the church as a whole understand it so that we can all go in the same direction. Because now we have a split division or separation in the body of Christ. This split separation and division, the Lord told me about in the year of... uh, uh, 2007, I had taken some time off of my travels and for about a month, a month and a half almost, and just spent time seeking the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that you can take time off of your job and do the same thing. Some of us have got to work. We can't all play. But I was led by the Lord to do it. It's important to hear his voice. It's important to make the right choice because many will make the wrong choice and have in times past. But this is a brand new day that God is calling the church to walk up in a higher way. So don't hold back. Press in and you will find out that you will hear from heaven and you will understand what God is doing and what God is saying, not only to the body of Christ, but into your life personally. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. But it's it's important to understand what God is doing and what God is saying. But in the year of 2007, in the month of, around the month of October, September and October, I had taken a time off, like I said, a month, month and a half, somewhere right in there, not to the day, just seeking the Lord. 
And I remember early in the morning, I was uh, sitting there in my study and I'd skipped a few meals. You know, it won't hurt me. Some of you can't make it far. I can just look at you and tell you. See, I can truly claim the scripture that most of you can't claim. What is that? At destruction and famine, I will laugh. <laughs> Wind ain't gonna blow me away. I preached the full gospel. My God, I... <laughs> I can make all the excuses I want to. But my granddaddy on my mama's side, they called him Hoss. He weighed 325 and stood six foot six. And my daddy was a little bitty fellow, you know. Then my papa on my daddy's side, he stood six eight. So my mama was short, my daddy was short, and my granny, she was four foot eleven, but she could beat the devil out of you with a frying pan. I'll tell you the truth about it. It's amazing how good granny is. So I don't know, some of those things happen to you. I don't know these things are passed on. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. But anyway, it's, it's passed on. But I was there and I'd skipped some meals, you know. And I was just sitting there studying, meditating, praying. You know, I wasn't seeking God necessarily for anything except him. Suddenly the spirit of God came upon me while I was sitting in my study at home and this is what the Spirit of God said. He said, there's a split, separation, or division that's about to take place in the church. And he said, the split, separation, and division is gonna come out in two places. He said, out of this split, separation, and division, out of it, it's gonna arise two different types of churches. He said, one of them is gonna be an informational church based strictly on man's wisdom, ideas, and their plans said the other church will be a revelational church that will build upon my word and upon my spirit and he said I will strengthen them and he said there will be a battle and a journey that you'll be caught in the middle of that you're gonna have to make choices on. But God knows the future. Little did I know what was gonna happen in 2008 because that's when it started. The split separation and division really started. It really started on back in 2006 because there came an identity crisis to the church. What do you mean by identity crisis? Between 2006 and 2008, the definition of Christianity was lost to most of the church world. Let me say that again. The definition of what it means to be a Christian was lost to most of the church world. From that, I wrote a book. I think it's back here. I don't know what my office sent down here. I wrote a book called What It Means to Be a Christian because now any and everything is called a Christian whether it's born again or not. And unless you're born again, you are not a Christian. Every lifestyle, ungodly, diabolical, demented, evil, even is being called Christian. Same-sex marriage is even saying to be ordained of God. Homosexuality, lesbianism, and I'm not going too far, no, we got kids in here, have, uh, has claimed to be ordained of God. And there's actually churches being established upon this, but that's part of those informational churches. Little did I realize how far it would go. Even in the ranks that I was brought up in, there was a big separation, division, and that took place. 
even amongst, again, the ranks that I was in. And out of that, there was a church split. And it's still going on today. And that split will never come back together. Because those that made the choice to disobey God and go the way of the flesh and the way of man, they've been given space to repent and because they have rejected it over and over and over and over, that time is coming to an end and if they don't repent, they will not have an opportunity to do so. I'm glad you're excited. I know what you want. You want to go back and look at the church sign. Say, what church am I in? What has Pastor done? He's brought this crazy man in. Well, Pastor told me that you're ready to go with me. So I'm in a church that's ready to go. And so I'm going to share, I believe, for utterance, I'm telling you, to share some things that I believe needs to be released, not just to you, but to the entire body of Christ. But you've got to have an utterance, a place of utterance where it's received in order to do that. And I appreciate that about your pastors and about this church and about the times and seasons we're living in. But there's a split separation of division that started in 2008. The definition of Christianity was lost in 2006 to uh, around 2008. That's why people could not, not any longer define what it meant to be a Christian. And of course, uh, thank God you can and you do know what it is, and that's good. So what is God doing in the earth today? What is he saying? What time or season that we're in? Acts 26 uh, and we'll start reading there somewhere in the Bible. Acts 26. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. That's why we have an extended meeting. I don't have to share it all the night, so that means you got to come back. Don't make me come hunting you. I'm going to talk to you about some things about Dad Hagen. I call him Dad Hagen simply as a term of endearment. I did not worship him as a human being. I worship my Lord and Savior in Jesus Christ. But let me just go make, can I make an emphatic statement? If you do not understand who Dad Hagen was spiritually and embrace that, you will never go forward in your Christian walk. So I'm gonna do my best. Now, it's not the man, it's Jesus. I'm gonna do my best to explain what I mean by that, but it's gonna take me more than one service. You know what I mean? Prove it out of the scriptures. I'm gonna go back and show you in the Bible because God taught me this. I'm the least likely suspect, <laughs> you know my past, <laughs> you'd understand, to be able to share things like this because I, I, I've got an 11th grade education. If anybody ought to have a degree in criminology, it is me. I just don't have all the paperwork to go with it. I'm the least likely, but God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Why he does it, I don't know. Dad Hagen sat down and put his right arm around my shoulders and squeezed me for over an hour before he went to heaven. And he talked to me about some things. And from that day, I have never been the same. He began to talk to me about what I would see in the future and the valleys and the mountains and the hills and the tests and trials I would go through. He said, but you've got to be strong. He said, you've got to stay faithful and you've got to stay in your place and run this race. 
He said, because you're going to be right in the middle of the last day in time move of God. Do you hear me? He said, you're going to be right in the middle of the last day in time move of God. Now, I know that everybody would like to receive the prophecy from him, but do you know all the, I'm not cursing, cussing. Do you know all the problems you go through? Better way to say it. When God puts you in a position like that and all the attacks that come, when you begin to say a revelation, and I'm not complaining, not grumbling and griping, but I told the Lord, let somebody else do it. I said, go down there and get Pastor Edwin. He said, he won't do it. He don't want to pay the price. I said, well, get Pastor Angela to do it. She said, no, she'll be done killed him and it'll be over with. I, I, <laughs> I am joking, I am joking. They will pay the price. They have paid the price. I don't know if you understand it, the pastors that you have right here that contended for the faith that was once delivered to the saints and in a sense, and I say this not to attack, but they've been ostracized, marginalized, in senses because they will not deviate from the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for it. Where'd you tell me to turn to? Okay, Acts 26. I'm going to do what you say. The Apostle Paul. Can I read the whole Bible? I won't do that. Here we're to start in verse number 11. Verse number 10. Verse number nine. <laughs> oh, it's so good. All this is so good when I look at it. I hadn't looked at it in a while, but while I was praying this, it's important to pray and obey. It's important to pray, then obey. Find out what he says do and do it. That's what the Holy Ghost is saying. But I was praying and the Lord said, I want you to go back and pick this up because I had to put it down because I got so much opposition for it. But it's time to pick it up now. Acts 26, verse number nine. This is the uh, Apostle Paul's uh, giving a testimony before King Agrippa. And uh, he's telling him about his, uh, what he done and how he had a vision, a revelation from, the, from God. But he said here, we'll skip down to verse 11 for the sake of time. And he talked about how he was opposed to the Christian faith. To this point, he said, I punished them often. This is what he said. His name was Saul, you know, changed to Paul. He said, I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. You know what blaspheme means? He tortured Christians to the point that they actually blasphemed the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you think that the Lord judged them for that? No, if somebody was pulling your toenails and fingernails out and poking your eyeballs out, you may say things you didn't really mean either to get out of the pain you're in. But that's what he did. This is a man that was chose to be an apostle to bring the revelation of who Jesus Christ was to this earth. So you see, Jesus chooses the foolish thing to the world to confound the wise. Isn't that right? He said, I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them, he said, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Talking about Christians. He's before King Agrippa giving his testimony. Whereupon I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. In other words, he was ordained by those in authority. 
Verse 13, he said, at midday, O king, he's talking to King Agrippa, he said, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Notice here, they were all fallen to the earth in verse 14. Isn't that right? He said, we were all fallen to the earth because this bright light shone around about them and them which journeyed with me. In verse 14, then we were all fallen to the earth. Anytime you mess with Jesus, he's gonna get you out of his way eventually. They fell to the earth. All of them did. All of them in Saul's party. Isn't that right? And then you know what happened next? The choir come running out of the bushes. Y'all remember that? They come running out of the bushes and they sang this song. Another one bit the dust, another one. And that's exactly what happened to Paul. Another one bit the dust. You think that you're gonna be high and mighty, and I'm not talking to you now, we're just, I'm not mad at you. You think you're gonna be high and mighty, and you're gonna come against the Lord Jesus Christ and his word and the Holy Ghost, you're gonna be like Paul, and they're gonna send the choir out and sing a song over you. <laughs> I get invited to a lot of conferences. <laughs> Another one bit the dust. Where'd my choir off at? Amen. Another one bit the dust. That's exactly what it said, Brother Randy. It's not implied in the scripture that happened. Well, it's not implied that it didn't either. (laughs) Sounds good to me. He said he heard in verse 14, lot apart, Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 15, and he said, I said, Saul said, who art thou, Lord? He's got a different opinion about things now. When he got knocked down to the ground, high and mighty Saul, now he's down on the ground, groveling in the dust and the choir singing over him. Another one bit the dust. He said, who are you, Lord? Who are you? I'm ready to listen now. You got my attention. And he said, in verse 15, and I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Well, he wasn't directly persecuting Jesus, but when you indirectly persecute him through his children by persecuting them, you're persecuting him. Jesus will always vindicate his church and he will vindicate his people because he's still king of kings and he is Lord of lords. He, verse 16, the Lord gave him a command and called him into the ministry. He said, but rise up, because he's down on the ground, Stand upon thy feet because he's laying down groveling in the dust. The only reason God said for him to stand up because he acknowledged that Jesus was the Lord because he could have just said, boom, and it had been over. They'd have buried him there too, you know. He said, but rise and stand upon thy feet for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. The Lord always comes with a purpose. He always has a plan Paul was going to be given a purpose that would not be his own. He was going to be called to do something that was not his calling. He was going to be given a revelation that was not his revelation, but it was a revelation from heaven. Do you see this? (coughs) He said, I've appeared to thee for this purpose to make thee a minister. Notice he's going to make him a minister. And a witness both of these things which thou hast seen 
and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. In other words, this is not the only time you're gonna have a visitation from me. I'm gonna visit you in the future. That's what he's saying. Verse 17, he said, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles into whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness and light and from the power of Satan unto the power of God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Verse 19 says, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. The problem arises when we become disobedient to the heavenly vision. Notice this, this is Paul's latter ministry is in his latter life. He's telling King Agrippa here, he's testifying before him because he'd appealed to Caesar. The history's in the book of Acts. You're gonna go to read it. He'd appealed to Caesar. He was on his way to Caesar. Anyway, Agrippa was here in his testimony. He said, oh, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You see that? It's in the Bible. Isn't that right? In other words, all these years, he had stayed with exactly what the Lord told him to do. He didn't turn to the right hand. He didn't turn to the left hand. He didn't come up with his own idea. He didn't come up with his own plan. He didn't decide, I don't like the way the Lord's doing it. I don't like what I see and I'm gonna do it my way. He didn't embrace cultural trends of society and call them moves of God like's happening in much of the church world today. He did not do that. He said, oh, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So there is a heavenly vision. There's a vision for our time, for our season, for our day. And we're gonna talk about that heavenly vision. The time and seasons that we live in today, what is the vision, what is the plan? What is God saying to us as a church, as an individual, what does God wanna do? I'm glad you asked and I'm glad you inquired. Turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Remember this, cultural trends of society are not, are not biblical moves of God. But many believe that they are. Luke 19. It's important that we know what God is doing and it's important that we don't miss what he's doing. Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. He stops, he sees the city a little ways off in Luke 19, 41. Let's look what he declared. Luke 19, 41, it says, when he, Jesus, was come near to the city of Jerusalem, he beheld the city, in other words, he looked on it and done what? what? He wept over it. He wept, verse 42, saying, if thou had known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For, these, for thy days shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench around about thee and can pass thee round and keep thee in on every side and lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another. Why? Because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. 
They did not recognize what God was doing in the earth. God's only own chosen people, his own bloodline, God manifested in the flesh. That's who Christ was, Emmanuel, which means God with us. He was walking among the Jewish people who he had chosen and they did not know who he was. Isn't that right? He wept over them and he said, because these things are gonna happen because they missed the time of your vis their visitation. We cannot miss the time of our visitation of this generation. We can get heady and high-minded and prideful, you know, and say, you know, we know better than God and all these kind of things that you want to do. But the truth about the matter is, if we won't obey God, he'll raise up a generation that will. He's passed over entire generations before. Do you know that the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt, isn't that right? God told them to go to the promised land, but they grumbled and griped and didn't want to go along with the plan of God and everybody 20 years old and older except Joshua and Caleb died in the wilderness and the next generation 40 years later went into the wilderness because they obeyed God, isn't that right? And so we don't want to be disobedient people, we want to be obedient people, isn't that right? So you see Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they missed the time of their visitation. Turn to Luke chapter two and let's see these again. I'm just laying the groundwork here is what I'm doing. We're not gonna be able to cover all of this tonight, but uh, we'll get started on it. Because you're so gracious to come. The heavenly vision, the time and seasons that we live in, what God is doing, what God is saying in the earth. But Luke chapter two, verse 21. This is speaking of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And this is when they brought Jesus into the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. In verse number 21 of Luke chapter two, says, when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the days of her purification, speaking of Mary, according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, this is what I want to get to. They're in the temple. They come to bring baby Jesus and offer a sacrifice and offer him to, the, to God our Father, to the Lord. Verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation, or you could say the deliverance, or you could say the victory of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was what? Upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He knew the plan of God because he knew the Holy Ghost of God. I said he knew the plan of God because he knew the Holy Ghost of God. And it was revealed to him that you'll not die until you had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. You're gonna see him in your lifetime, the old man, Simeon, the prophet. Verse 27, and it says, and he, speaking of Simeon, came by the Spirit. In other words, he was led by the Holy Ghost into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he, Simeon took him up in his arms, 
Jesus, baby Jesus, and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou servant depart in peace according to thy words, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Do you see that? Which has prepared, thou hast prepared before the face of all people, alike to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yet a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon knew who Jesus was. Simeon knew what the plan of God was. Simeon knew the heavenly vision because he had the Holy Ghost. He communicated with God. He wasn't lost, but it doesn't say anybody else in the temple knew who he was except, look at this, verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Azer lived with her husband seven years from her virginity and she was a widow of about four score, four score and four years. I believe that's 84 years. Is that correct? Which departed not from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day and she coming in that instance gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him, talking about the Lord Jesus, and spake of him to all them that look for redemption in Israel. Notice this, there was two people in the entire temple out of all the preachers we'd call them today that knew what the will of God was, that knew what the plan of God was. It was the prophet Simeon and the prophetess Anna. They knew the plan of God. When they saw Jesus, they knew who he was. But nobody else in the temple knew who he was. They were amazed. Even Joseph and Mary, you know, were amazed at the things that were prophesied over the baby Jesus. But this was the plan of God in action. And Simeon and Anna knew what God's plan was. Listen, if they could know God's plan, you can know God's plan. If they can know God's plan, we can know God's plan. God does not want us ignorant of what he's doing in this earth, but they both knew the plan of God because they spent time in prayer with God. You see that? And we thank God for that. Isn't that right? Another thing we must realize, our present anointing and future anointing is connected to our past. Our future anointing and present anointing is connected to our past. You cannot disrespect what God done in the last era, the last generation, the last move of God and expect to have an anointing to go forward in this move of God. You cannot disrespect what God does in this earth. You cannot disdain and make lightly of what God is doing in this earth. I'm glad you're interested in this subject. Turn to Matthew 3. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Remember I said your present anointing and your future anointing is connected to your past. Your present anointing and your future anointing is connected to our past. 
I didn't come up with this. This is what the Lord taught me. And here's a chapter and verse that goes with it. Matthew 3, verse 13. <clears throat> said, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Notice something. Jesus came to Jordan, Jordan River, to John to be baptized of him. John did not go to Jesus. Jesus came to John. You see that? John didn't go hunting down Jesus. Jesus was coming to John. And there's a reason that he came to John. It wasn't because Jesus didn't have other things to do. But he knew the protocol of heaven required him to do this. Because he'd laid aside his deity as a son of the living God and he was operating as a man. And he knew, he knew his future anointing was connected to this present anointing and the past anointing that was on John the Baptist. And if he did not embrace what God was doing in John the Baptist's life, then that means that he could not go forward in his anointing in the future. And you will see from the scripture, Jesus was only anointed after he embraced the ministry of John the Baptist, which means he recognized, reverenced, and revered what God was doing through him. When you reject what God does through a man or through a woman and he brings it into this earth for a purpose, then you lose your ability to go forward in a future anointing. It says here, Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan and to John to be baptized. Again, why? Because Jesus knew the protocol of heaven. He knew that your present anointing and future anointing is connected to the past and to the present. Verse 14. He came to John. He wanted to be baptized. Baptize me because John was baptizing people in the river Jordan. It says, but John forbid him saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. John knew who Jesus was. He said, you're coming to me. You need to baptize me. You've got it wrong here. Jesus said in verse 14, Jesus answered and said to him, no, no, I don't have it wrong. I'm just paraphrasing. He said, let us do it now. Suffer it now to be so. Why? It becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, I realize that I can't go forward in my future until I accept the anointing that's in your life. Now, people have taken that out of context and people went off the deep end with it, but I'm telling you, there's a parallel here in the scriptures based on what'll happen in your life when you accept the anointing that God is doing to the earth. It says, then he suffered him. In other words, he baptized him. John baptized Jesus in the river Jordan. Why? Because Jesus came to Jordan and he said to John, baptize me in water. He knew the protocol of heaven. He knew his future anointing was connected to what God was doing. When he come to John, what he was doing, he was reverencing, Jesus was, was reverencing the move of God that took place through John. He didn't join with those that was making sneers and snide remarks and say that old washed up old fogey, that old fool out there wearing camel clothes or whatever he is and eating grasshoppers and eating honey. He's out of his mind. He's old, you know, lost his mind. You know, in Dad Hagen's latter days, many begin to fall away from him thinking he had lost his mind when really he was in the Holy Ghost more so in his last days than he was any other time. He just progressed in it. But he realized when he came to John, he was reverencing the move of God that God had started through John the Baptist. Isn't that right? That was a true move of God. God started that move. God called John the Baptist. And Jesus recognized it. As soon as he submitted to the ministry of John, by, he's reverencing what God is doing in the earth. Look what happened. Verse 16. And when Jesus 
And Jesus, when he was baptized, he came up out of the water and lo, the heavens were open unto him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him and lo, a voice from heaven, God spoke from heaven and what did he say? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He recognized what I'm doing. He respects the move of God. He respects what I've done through John the Baptist. He's embraced that anointing and now Jesus has his own anointing because he embraced the anointing of the past that had started before Jesus and he embraced it. He reverenced, he respected the move of God. You cannot disrespect what God has said in the past. I'm talking about God, not man. You cannot disrespect what God has said in the past and go forward in a future anointing. We don't disrespect it. You don't disrespect it. Can you see it in the Bible? And notice, when Jesus obey, obeyed the protocol of heaven, reverencing and honoring the move of God that had started through John the Baptist, God himself spoke and got involved. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's met the protocol of heaven. He knows how to honor, reverence, and respect moves of God in the earth. Amen? Are you excited yet? <laughs> Just want to make sure. <laughs> want to make sure. Moves of, God, moves of God are started through people who are chosen and anointed by God. Moves of God moves of God, I'm talking about that will affect the world, are started through people that are anointed and chosen by God. Such as one man, we don't worship the man, we worship Jesus. We don't follow a man's vision, we follow the heavenly vision that come through a man. One of those men in our generation was Reverend Kenneth Irwin Hagen. There were only seven people in the Bible that were named by God before they were born. Every one of them had a destiny that would affect the earth. And we're gonna go back tonight for just a little while and we're gonna look at these seven people and see that God does name people before they're born under certain circumstances. But there's only seven in the entire Bible. I said, where did you come up with this? The Holy Ghost gave it to me. Remember, I got 11th grade education, but God spoke it to me. But I'm building up to something. Seven people were named by God in the Bible before they were born. How about that? One was named by God through a prophet 175 years before his birth. And it was prophesied what he would do down to, we'd call it the penny. He fulfilled in detail what was prophesied from heaven through the prophet and calling the man's name and what he would do in the earth and he'd done every bit of it. 175 years before he was born. And I'm glad you're excited about it. And now we're gonna look for your name in the Bible. <laughs> Genesis chapter 16. Again, I didn't think this up. The Holy Ghost gave it to me. And I don't share this a lot. In fact, I hadn't shared it in a long, long time, anything like this. 
but, but I just had it in my spirit today to begin to share along these lines. Genesis 16. And let's see what happened. Verse number 11. The first one in the Bible that was named by God before they were born. It may shock you. Shock me. Genesis 16, 11. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name, what? Ishmael. Because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. Isn't that right? God named him because the angel of the Lord came to her, right? When the angel of the Lord comes, you understand, then he's bringing a message from heaven. So, I, you know, I, never, I didn't ever realize that Ishmael was named by God, but he was. It's in the Bible. I said, it's in the Bible. Does it shock you? All right, Genesis 17, you're right there. Let's look at the second person in the Bible. Study this out for yourself. Just don't take my word for it. You go study it. You'll find there's seven people in the Bible that was named by God before they were born. Genesis 17, verse number 19. The second one that was named by God before they were born. Now I'm leading up to something because if you'll understand this, there was purposes, divine purposes behind every bit of this. But Genesis 17, 19, and God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name, what? Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. He was named by God before he was born. Isn't that right? She shall bear him a son. Not, she hadn't born him yet. God's already named what? Ishmael. Now he's named Isaac. You see that? This the first one that was named by God was Ishmael. The second one was named uh, was Isaac. First Chronicles 22. Now you'll have to go where the pages are stuck together. Isn't that right? First Chronicles chapter 22. We're looking for seven people that were named by God. And again, you do your own research and do your own study. Just don't take my word for it, but you'll see that there were seven people named by God before they were born in the earth. How'd you get this? The Spirit of God spoke it right up in my spirit one day. I had no idea about it. He said there were seven people that was named by God. And he said, you talk about Kenneth e. Hagin and how I named him. He said, let me go back and show you before he was born, he was named by God. And we'll get into that later. But First Chronicles chapter 22 verse number nine. The third person that was named by God before they were born. It says, behold, a son shall be born to thee who shall be a man of rest and I will give him rest from all his enemies round about for his name shall be who? Solomon. King Solomon. And I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. Oh, I can tell you about the temple, but that's later. But he said here, he said, his name shall be what? Solomon. So this is the third person in the Bible that was named by God before he was born. King David's son, right? It's named by God. First Kings chapter 13. First Kings chapter 13.
I don't see anybody jumping over the pews and chairs yet. But, but this is good stuff if you like good stuff. It is. It'll take you somewhere if you realize that when God names people, there is a reason for it. What did I tell you to turn to? 1 Kings chapter 13. My pages are stuck together. I got me a new highfalutin Bible. My other one fell apart. I mean, I patched it and everything. 1 Kings 13, verse 2. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord, said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child should be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. So he's named by who? By God. So here we have, and you can, there's another reference to this in Kings 22.1, but you can look that up later. 1 Kings 13.2, and then you look at 2 Kings 22.1, you'll find out about Josiah. He was named by God. And this is the one <clears throat> that you was wanting to get to. <clears throat> you had threatened me about it. And you said, where is it at in the Bible? I thought that you wanted me to turn there. Turn to Isaiah chapter 44. Notice how we're working our way to the New Testament. You can probably already guess the last person that was named by God before they were born. You could probably pass that test if we gave you one. Where did we say turn to? Isaiah chapter 44. Get all my pages from stuck in together here. Verse number 27. We'll start right there. Isaiah 44, 27. That saith to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up that rivers. That saith of Cyrus, Cyrus, you ever heard of King Cyrus? He is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, 45, chapter 45, verse one. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand have I holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open for him the two leave gates, and the gates shall not be shut. This is a prophecy of King Cyrus 175 years before he was born a prophecy of King Cyrus and what if you'll go on and read all of this and then go, go and study King Cyrus's life, he'd done down what we'd say to the T in the country of what was prophesied about him 175 years earlier. But he was named by God before his birth. Do you see that? So that's one, two, three, four. Now for the drum roll. Let's go to Luke chapter one. That's where, did you, that's where you wanted to get to, right? Luke chapter one. And I know this is kind of dry a little bit, but it's good information, revelation, because it will help us in the long run. 
Luke 1, verse 5. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's offices, his lot was to burn incense before he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of the incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. He said, oh my Lord, what is going to happen now? Verse 13, but the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. He was named by God before he was born. You see that? This is John the Baptist. So that's the sixth one that was named by God before they were born. Again, do your own research, do your own study. But let's look at the last one that was named by God before he was born. In Luke chapter one, verse number 30. <clears throat> and the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall call his name Jesus. You shall call his name. Woo! He shall be great. It shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give in him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And they will not. God ordained it, God prophesied it that it would happen, and it did. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. It matters not what governments try to do. It matters not what Congress tries to pass. <laughs> it matters not what any foreign nation or communism tries to do. Jesus Christ is still King of kings and he's Lord of lords and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Earthly kingdoms shall fall. Natural kings shall fall, but Jesus Christ shall never fall. And of his kingdom there shall be no end because God prophesied it. Aren't you glad about it? Woo, I'm excited about it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, here we go. This is a drum roll that you wanted to get to. Another person that was named by God that's not in the Bible. I'm not saying that somebody else couldn't be named by God before they were born. But this is one I know personally. Your pastors know personally and knew personally. He's moved now into heaven. He's not dead. He's more alive than he's ever been before. His physical body has ceased to function in his life. But when your physical body ceases to function, it don't mean the end of life totally because you are a spirit being, you possess a soul, you live in a physical body, you move into the next realm. Isn't that right? So he's more alive now and he's looking on tonight, I believe, cheering his own from the banisters of heaven. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. 
saying, preach it to them, Brother Randy, preach it to them. You know, I'm the only preacher I know of with a claim to fame. I was preaching in Dad Hagen's camp meetings, and back in those days, I could preach. I mean, it was just the anointing come on me. And I'd preach, you know, Doc Horton, remember him? He called it fighting bees. I'd swing everything, and I'd bought me one of these new highfalutin suits because they're going to have me get up there on the platform. Dad Hagen always liked you spiffed up, you know, and shined up and polished up the best you could be, you know what I mean? So I got up there and I was a going and I had these new suspenders on. You know them new suspenders, how you button them in the back and everything. And I was a fighting bees and I was a preaching and spitting about 10 rows and all of a sudden, whop, here come my suspender button popped loose. Well, you ain't got a belt and I didn't know what to do. So I just grabbed my britches like this and kept a going, you know. <laughs> I got video of this, ladies and gentlemen. And I just kept a going. The audience went wild, almost started a revival by popping a, a doggone splendor strap. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, the squirrel got loose in the church one time, you know, and it started a revival. And so just popping a, a, a you know, suspender strap and do the same thing. Well, Keith Holiday, y'all remember him? Not Hockaday, but Keith Holiday. He was on the Raymond Singers and Band then. He seen my struggle and all of them's rolling in the floor. Because <laughs> I hadn't stopped a lick. Brother Hagin didn't nothing move him. You people would fall dead in his service. He'd step over and go to prison. <laughs> I didn't see him, but he told stories about it, you know. About on his older days, I'm hanging on my britches. So Keith comes sneaking around the back of the platform and come up and said, let me help you get your drawer of things back on hooked up, you know. He said, be still a minute. And I was trying to be still and preaching, you know. He finally got me all hooked back up and I took off again. <laughs> so I almost started revival by popping a suspender strap. I'm just telling you the truth about him. My dad-in-law's Church of God preacher. And he preached. And I mean, in the church of God, especially back then, if you didn't shout, you wouldn't preach it. I mean, if you didn't dance and run and tear up furniture and all that kind of stuff. And so my daddy-in-law was, was a preacher. And this is back during the days where they had all these highfalutin air conditions like you got in here, you know. He was a preacher. He was talking about the hell that's hot. And if you don't live right. My daddy-in-law said the way he used to get his sermons, he'd pick him out somebody in the audience and preach about them. <laughs> He would wear the makeup and all this kind of stuff, and I mean just anything. That's the way it was back then, you know. He was preaching. He said, "The devil is going to get you." I'm telling you, the devil's going to get you if you don't live right and you don't do right. The devil's going to get you. Well, the windows of the church is open, and my wife's sister Delora had a cat named Lulu. Y'all remember Lulu, a calico cat, calico cat. And this thing was mischievous anyway. And my dad lost just a preaching away in this little bitty wood frame church. And all of a sudden, nobody really paid any attention. Lulu the cat jumped up on the windowsill because it's open. And my dad was preaching that hell, that's hot. And if you don't live right, the devil's gonna get you. And that cat jumped off right into the lap of one of the elder ladies in the church. And she jumped up screaming, the devil has got me. The devil has got me. <laughs> my God, Lulu the cat started a revival. I'm telling you the truth. That's a true story. That's my wife about it. That's a true story. The devil's got me. I'm going to go get Lulu. I'm telling you the truth about it. Woohoo! So that's my claim to fame. But what I wanted to get to is this. 
there was a lady back in the early 1900s that you need to become familiar with just briefly. Her name was Lily Hagen. Lily Hagen had married an individual that her parents had encouraged her not to marry. He was come from a well-to-do family, was well off, but he didn't have any discipline in his life. Now, this is Dad Hagen's own testimony, not mine, so I'm not putting down his dad or nobody, you know. But they encouraged her not to marry him, even though the family come from a good family. He just had not been taught and trained, you know, to work and discipline himself and do what's right, like like you have, you know. So they they uh, she married him anyway, and they said you're gonna make your bed hard if you marry him. She said, if I make my bed hard, I'll lie in it. That's country talk for city folks. You know what I mean? Well, she married him, and sure enough, had some children. And then she's pregnant. He run off, you know, drinking and carrying on because they were in times of great depression. She said, I can understand. He, he probably is a man. He probably couldn't take care of him. And he was, you know, feeling down and out. I don't know. Just give him the, you know, benefit of the doubt. Anyway, he left him. And she got to where she didn't have proper food in the house. Well, she's pregnant with who we now know as Kenneth Irwin Hagen. And uh, she, had, she thought she had a touch of fever and she had no food to eat in the house their mom and daddy was pretty well off. Mr. and Miss Drake, y'all remember them. That's her, that's his grandparents, Mr. and Miss Drake. So she decided she's gonna swallow her pride for the baby's sake because she wouldn't ask him for help for nothing, you know. She said, I'm gonna swallow my pride and I'm gonna go down Standardford Street. You know, there's East Standardford Street, there's a West Standardford Street in McKinney, Texas. Y'all know that, right? There he is, I've, I've been there. Said, Brother Randy, what happened? Nothing. But anyway, I've been there. I've been to Van, Texas, the last church that Dad Hagen pastored. I got pulled the car up. I stepped out in the parking lot, and guess what happened to me? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but the Lord would just take me there, and I'd reminisce and just think about where he come from, you know, and how God could raise him up. So Lily Hagen decided I'm going to swallow my pride, and I'm going to Mama's house and Daddy's house. And I'm going to ask him for help, you know. So she started walking down Standardford Street and she got down in front of Aunt Mary's house. Y'all remember Aunt Mary, don't you? Remember, it's a black dirt road. You know, they used to put a little light oil on the road back years ago before they were paved. It was back in uh, Mr. and Mrs. Anderson's time here. But, but anyway, well, <laughs> remember there before the flood, I'm after the flood. But anyway, back during those days, I've read about it, but I didn't see it. So it was a little light uh, dusting of oil or something to keep the dust from coming up, you know. And so she's walking down to her mom and daddy's house, uh, pregnant with Kenneth e. Hagen, you know, he's not ready to be born yet. But she gets down in front of Aunt Mary's house and all of a sudden, she heard something like wind blowing through the trees. And she thought, what's that? And she looked up, startled, and guess what? There wasn't a tree in front of Aunt Mary's house. Y'all remember that, don't you? Y'all remember there's no trees in front of Aunt Mary's house. So she walked on a few other steps and heard it again. Shh, like rustling of wind and leaves in a tree. And she thought, well, the weather must be going bad because down there in Texas, you know, it can change just like it does in Oklahoma. You know, like uh, before I flew down here Saturday morning, the day before on Friday, it was 70 degrees. When I pulled my plane out of the hangar, there was snow and ice on the ground. Woo! And I was glad to come to Florida. <laughs> It was in the 70s. But anyway, 
she, she looked up again in the sky. She didn't see no clouds and walked on a few more feet, heard it again, shh, looked up. And this time she saw just a small cloud and it was moving. And it seemed like it was moving to her, so she watched it. I've heard some old, old recordings. It's not in the books, but I've heard some old recordings and I've heard Dad Hagen tell some of these stories just sitting around talking. So the cloud come down out of the sky and as it was coming down, she was watching it intently. When it got about head top level, the cloud did, head top level to Lily Drake, suddenly she realized standing on this cloud was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now this cloud was not a fluffy cloud like you see in the sky around here. It was the anointing of God and Jesus had come down from heaven to bring a message to Lily Hagen. And this is what he said to her while he's standing there about head top level looking down at her and she's looking up at him. He said, fear not, the child shall be born and thou shalt call his name John. For just as John the Baptist was the forerunner of my first coming, he will be the forerunner of my second coming. Well, it scared her out of her mind. She didn't have experiences like that. So she took off running down Stanford Street hard and fast she could go. When she got down to her mama's house, remember Granny Drake? She got down to her mama's house. She'd run up the steps, run across the porch and got to the screen door. Nobody locked the doors in those days, you know. And she flung open the screen, rushed in the door and her mama seen her. Granny Drake said, Lily, what happened to you? You look like you've seen a ghost. She said, Mama, Mama, Jesus appeared to me on a cloud and told me my son would be born, the baby would be born, and I should call his name John because he's gonna be the forerunner of the second coming of Jesus. And Miss Granny Drake said, oh, honey, oh, Lily, don't tell anybody that. Don't tell them, they'll think you're crazy. You're idle, you're out of your mind. It used to be they locked you up for being crazy. The way it is today, if you ain't crazy, you can't be in society. <laughs> Excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> What's that, ma'am? You right, you right. It's not the truth, I'm telling you. So that secret was buried. He was buried there for many years. So she went into premature labor at Granny Drake's house, her mama's house. They called in Dr. Irwin. Y'all remember Dr. Irwin? There's an Irwin Street there in McKinney, Texas. It's not far from North College Street. In fact, it intersects it. Dr. Hagen's house used to sit like, like here would be uh, North College Street where he was born in the house. Right here would be Irwin Street going this way. So I don't know, but it seems it may be named after Dr. Irwin. I don't know, but it's in McKinney, Texas. We got to go over there sometimes. <laughs> Just interesting information. But uh, so she was in labor, premature labor. They called Dr. Irwin. Doctors made house calls. He came and, and delivered uh, <clears throat> the baby. And of course, Miss Lily almost died giving birth to him in childbirth. And when he was born, he was preemie, way premature. And uh, in fact, he weighed less than two pounds when he was born. The doctor took one look at him and told Granny Drake, he's not alive, we gotta try to save Lily and laid him on the bed. Not cleaned up or anything. You ever seen new babies and all that kind of stuff? But I know where babies come from because I helped deliver my son. 
I thought I was paying the doctor for this, but I cut his umbilical cord. I was there and I found out Granny lied to me after all these years as much as I love Granny. She said the stork flew and dropped the baby. I'm telling she did. She'd tell me the stork flew. That's when the baby was born, the stork flew. Anybody ever heard that? The stork flew, flew over and dropped the baby at so-and-so's house. And that's what Granny told me all these years. And I found out I love Granny, but she didn't tell me the truth about that. So Kenneth Hagin's laying on the bed, dead. The doctor pronounced him dead. And uh, so he works feverishly with uh, uh, Lily. And after about 45 minutes, he said to Miss Drake, said, uh, uh, it was her mama, you know, Lily's mama, said, I need to go to the office and get some more supplies to help her. And he said, I'll be back. He said, while I'm gone, he said, you take him out back and bury him in the garden. Now that may seem cruel, but they didn't have all the laws that we got today, you understand. And, and things were a whole lot different back then. And people were very poor. You're talking about during the Great Depression, you understand, and things. If you didn't live it, you didn't know it. My granny told me plenty about it, you know. But uh, so he said, you just take the baby out back. He's not cleaned up or anything, you know. <clears throat> so he left. So she picked up <clears throat> the little baby. And she started going out back. You could imagine the heart of a granny having to go bury her grandbaby out behind the house. So she went out, walked down the steps, you know, went to across the porch, walked down the steps, and went to what they called back then the smokehouse. We call them storage sheds today, but they had a different purpose back then. And uh, got a shovel. And she was going to start around the back of the garden and dig a little grave. And I'm sure they would have put a marker on it and all kind of stuff eventually. But as she started to walk towards that garden, suddenly the little baby kicked in her arms. And that granny could not bury that baby because she detected a spark of life about it. And then she went back in the house, cleaned him up, uh, put him in a little diaper and a little dress that swallowed him whole because that's all she had. Weighed, he weighed a smidgen over two pounds. You know what a smidgen is. It's a tad. You know what a tad is, don't you? It's a little bit. That's good country talk for city folks. So she's there, and so after a while, the doctor comes back, and the first thing he sees is Granny Drake with this little baby in her hand, and he got furious. He said, what are you doing? I told you that baby was dead because he looked at him twice. I told you that baby, what are you holding that baby? That baby's not even formed correctly. I told you to bury him, and she told him about him kicking, you know. She said, have you got anything I can feed him? He reached into his pocket and pulled out this little mixture of formula and threw it at her because he's mad. And he said, feed him this. He said, this will last longer than he will. He'll be dead. But ladies and gentlemen, he lived and he lived and he lived. To September the 2nd, I'm trying to get to a place that I can close and you keep agging me on, but I'm getting there. <laughs> We're getting there. Let me bring you up fast forward to the September the 2nd, 1950. Kenneth e. Hagin knew nothing about this. He knew no idea. His mom had never told him. Granny Drake had never told him. Nobody. It was secret. September 2nd, 1950, in Rockwall, Texas, Dad Hagin was preaching under a tent. Jesus appeared to him. <clears throat> Actually, he heard a voice. He said, come up hither. Come up hither. It's a long story. But come up hither. Come up hither to the throne of God. So he looked up to where the top of the tent would be. He was preaching under a tent in Rockwall, Texas. When he looked up, the tent disappeared and there stood Jesus. 
And he said it seemed like he, he left and he went with Jesus and he traveled up through the clouds. He said he'd never been in an airplane in his life till later. After he was in the airplane for the first time, he told the preacher that was flying with him in the airplane, this is just like me and Jesus. I went through the clouds and we went up. They went to the third heaven. When they got to the third heaven, immediately they walked into the throne room of God. Dad Hagen said, September the 2nd, 1950, by the way, he was 33 years old. Jesus moved to heaven. He entered his ministry, ended his ministry about 33 years old. I won't get into all that, but i give you a free hairdo. But anyway, he, he was uh, in heaven. He said when they walked up into heaven, he said there was in the throne room, and he said the first thing that he saw was the winged creatures that it talks about in Revelation. He said they were moving their mouth and uh, moving their wings, but when him and Jesus walked up, immediately they folded their wings and they quit saying anything. The Bible says they say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And he said they had eyes all the way around their head about the size of a quarter. You can read about them in Revelations. And then he looked and he seen the throne of God through a veil. And when Jesus saw him looking and he said he could make out the figure of something sitting on the throne, Jesus said, don't look upon him. Talking about our Father God. And then Jesus began to talk to him about his ministry and what he was doing. And then that's when the first time that he heard that his name would be John. He said, I appeared to your mother before you were born. And I told her to fear not, the child shall be born. And that you was to be named John. For just as John the Baptist was the forerunner of my first coming, he will be the forerunner of my second coming. We're close, ladies and gentlemen. And he told him some other things. But what is unhooked from that? That was on a, a Saturday night, you remember, September the 2nd, 1950. Monday, uh, Miss Lily Hagen, his mama, came to visit him in Garland, Texas. Y'all know where Garland's at. Y'all know where Garland is over there on the other side of Dallas? You know what I mean over here? But anyway, it was in Garland, Texas, and his mama came. And mama, his mama was sitting over there in a chair, and uh, Miss Aretha Hagen, Mom Hagen, we all called her, is a term of endearment, which is Kenneth Hagen's wife, they were sitting there talking to his mother. And, and Brother Hagen said this, said, Mama, he said, Jesus appeared to me Saturday night. And he said to me that he appeared to you before I was born. He said, when he said that to his mama, she jumped up like you'd stuck her with a straight pin. He said, what did you tell me to name you, Ken? What did you tell me to name you, Ken? What did you tell me to name you, Ken? Because I knew, she knew that she had never told him. And to prove out that Jesus had appeared to him, if he knew the name, she would accept it that Jesus appeared to him. He said, Mama, Jesus told me, he told you to name me John. And she broke down weeping and crying. She said, oh, yes, that's right. He said, Jesus told me to tell you or that it wouldn't be you know, no problem, even though you didn't name my name John, the work in the ministry would be fulfilled and would be complete. So September the 2nd, 1950, was the first time Kenneth e. Hagin knew it. He was 33 years old when he was caught up to heaven and heard Jesus say that. Now, let me close by saying this. And I know this is kind of heavy, but it's what's necessary for us in this generation because we're looking for something new. We don't need to look for something new. We need to connect with what God's already doing. 
Of course, when we look for something new, we declare that he's not already doing something. But anyway, uh, Brother Hagin's ministry, when I say the forerunner of the second coming of Jesus, John the Baptist was the forerunner of the first coming of Jesus. Can't we all agree to that? The difference between the two ministries, because there is a difference. John the Baptist embodied in and of himself, by himself, the forerunner of the first coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. But John the Baptist, or John Kenneth Hagin, his name should be John, you know, Kenneth Hagin, he didn't have the same place that John the Baptist had in this sense. Him being the forerunner of the second coming of Jesus, he did not embrace that office by himself, but it would be a movement that would start through him that would usher in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which Impact Family Church is part of this movement. So the words, Kenneth E. Hagin by himself was not the forerunner of the second coming of Jesus, but the movement that would start through him. You understand that? Would be the movement that would usher in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So ladies and gentlemen, you and I are close. And there's much more to be said about this, but you gotta understand this to start with. We're not worshiping a man. We're not looking at a man. We're looking at the revelation that came from Jesus. John the Baptist was sent by God. Kenneth A. Hagin was sent by God. Kenneth Hagin was a prophet to this generation. Not only was he a prophet, he was an apostle, a sent one. He stood in the highest office that anyone can stand in on this earth and you can only be given that position by God. His ministry went worldwide, not because of his charisma or motivational speeches. It was by the anointing of God that put his ministry worldwide to start a movement that would usher in the second coming of Jesus and you and I have a part in that. So when your pastors are yelling and screaming about things like this, don't think that they went off the deep end. They already off years ago. <laughs> they fell in. Brother Hagin said, if you hang around a creek bank long enough, you're going to slip around and fall in. Isn't that right? Well, they fell in. They, they swallowed it. We'd call it in the country hook, line, and sinker. In fact, we're on the same page. We're walking the same way, and you are too. And I say this to encourage you. Don't be discouraged when you look around and, and see people going here and doing there and this church doing this and this people doing that. This church is staying with the word. This church is staying with the spirit and this church is staying with a movement that was started by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and God is moving in this earth. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the Holy Ghost. We thank you for the power and the anointing of God. And Lord, I know what I shared this, this evening, Lord, is kind of heavy for some folks. But Lord, I thank you that you just take this word and you establish it even better than I can and have people to understand what you're doing to this earth. And Father, I thank you for the will, the plan and purposes of God taking place and coming to pass in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I thank you that nothing by nothing is going to stop this move and it shall come to pass even as you said it would do in the name of the Lord Jesus. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.